Uh, we're on week three of the harvest. I love harvest time. You guys love harvest time. Who loves just driving through? I, I had to go uh, pick up the kids at Will's house. He's about four hours away. And um, so I just put on some nice jazz music and I was watching the, fl- the, the uh, fall leaves. You know, they're just beautiful, like God's masterpiece. It's just gorgeous. And so uh, the harvest, man, what a beautiful time of year. Personally, my favorite season. Anybody with me? It's your favorite season. You know, it's beautiful. Um, and uh, yeah, God has a harvest for us. God has a harvest that we are supposed to take part in. We're supposed to partner in. Jesus said the laborers are few, even though the harvest is plentiful. So the last two weeks, we talked about the invitation. We said, come and drink without, without pay, without price, Isaiah says. And then Jesus reiterates it in Revelation 21 and 22. Come and drink without pay. How many were here last week? We talked about the prodigal son, right? We talked about the older brother. Both needed grace. And I just want to recap what we've talked about with the harvest party so far. The harvest, the harvest is that when we come into the father's house, we realize that he has called us son all along. And that religion is when you work for what the father has already given you. We're doing a quick recap. So turn to your neighbor, say, buckle up. He's got 20 minutes left. Buckle up. Listen, when pastor appreciation, I know my dad knows the pain. They're like, hey, look, you got to preach 40 minutes in 20 minutes. I dare you. So I'm going to try. All right, here we go. The gospel, given in God's word, it talks about who Jesus is and what God did that we could not do. He forgives us and invites us into his holy presence, into his family, into his home, even though we don't deserve it. We did nothing to deserve it. But he says, I want to adopt you. I want to call you mine. I want to, I want to be your father. Let me take care of you. Unbelievable. Right? So 1 Thessalonians, I want to read this, starting in verse 1. Paul, Savanius, and Timothy to the church in Thessalonica, uh, Thessalonica, and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. I love that line. Grace and peace to you. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before God and our Father your work of faith and your labor of love, your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know brothers, everybody say brothers. Come on, say brothers. You're in a family. I try to reiterate this every single Sunday because it's one of the core things that in a given year I want you to know you're in a family. Brothers and sisters, sometimes we take out the salutation. Is that what that's called at the beginning of a letter? I was I kind of slept in, in English class. So. Salutation, is that right? Yes, nailed it. Mrs. Monroe would be so happy right now, so proud of me. Or Middlefield, we're in Monroe. Anyway, here we go. The salutation, brothers. How about this? Dearly beloved children, all the time. Sometimes we need to include these parts, right? Because when you know who you are, it changes what you're going to do. For, who we, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. He has chosen you. George, he's chosen you. Dwayne, he's chosen you. And you're in this church for a reason. You're in Kinsmen for a reason. For those of you who are tuning in online, you are becoming a part of our online community in this faith community for a reason. Pastor Andrew, you know you are in this family for a reason because Warren is going to be touched by the presence and power of Jesus Christ. You're called into this family You know what kind of men we were 
as we prove to you, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. You received the word with much affliction. We're going to talk about this reception of the word with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Acacia. You know you're supposed to be an example. You and I, as we behold the beauty of Jesus, we become an example to everybody in Vernon, in Johnston, in Kinsman, in Cortland. It's a perfect place for an amen. Come on. You become an example. You become a light. You become a person when they say, man, I want to be around that person. I want to get to know that person. For not only has the word of God sounded forth from you, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we don't even need to say anything. He says, it's almost like I don't even need to write a letter to the surrounding area because your testimony, your love for people is the letter. They themselves report the kind of reception we had among you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead. I love how many times Paul reminds us that Jesus rose from the dead because if he didn't rise from the dead, we have nothing, right? A lot of people have said, no, this guy died, you know, for humanity and this guy, no, he was a martyr. No, only one, though, rose from the dead and proved himself as the son of God and son of man. Come on, his name is Jesus, right? For they themselves report to you how you turn to God from worthless living, one translation says it, and to wait for the Son from heaven, whom he raised from heaven, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So he not only invites you to a party, but he delivers you from the wrath that you deserve. We talked about that a lot two weeks ago. The wages of sin, the punishment of sin is death. But he has invited you into his family. Are you so grateful? Amen. Now, I know some of you, maybe, maybe there's a couple of you that are saying, well, don't you, Jordan, I just want you to go deeper. Listen, here we go. You can't get deeper than Jesus Christ. We're going to teach on that in Colossians. We're going to talk about that in November in a sermon series called Rooted. I want to preach it right now, but I won't. I'm tempted, but I won't. We've got to come to this place where we are reminded of the wrath we are saved from and the party that we've been invited to. If you do, you will be inviting your neighbors and your coworkers and people into this party. You'll be inviting people to the harvest. You'll be telling people about Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I want to see more people come to Jesus Christ. That's a huge reason why we're here. It's not the only reason why we're here. One of the main reasons why we're here, right, is to worship God, to be equipped, but to encounter God. But one of the main reasons we're here, right, is, is the mission, is the mission, is to tell other people about Jesus and invite people into the family. And I think we'll do more inviting if we have a better understanding. We'll do more inviting if we have a better understanding, a better revelation of how good God is. And hopefully that um, we're, we're shaking off uh, religion. We're shaking off older brother. Everybody just go like this. Just shake it off. Shake it off. Like my theologian T. Swift would say, shake it off. Anybody under 18 caught that? All right. <laughs> all right. We're <laughs> I love all the adults are like, T. Swift. Who's that over there? Is this a Baptist maybe? No. All right. Don't start saying it in the name of Jesus. Don't. You'll get me all kinds of distracted. All right. We are saved by Jesus as the Holy Spirit invites us. Right? 
I wanted to go into this story about Rebecca uh, and Isaac, but I'll save it for another time. The Holy Spirit is the servant who invites us into the family of God. Are you thankful? Can you just say I'm thankful? We're children of God. And look at this, 1 John 3, 2. We're children of God, and what we will be has not yet been known. Oh my gosh, I could preach on this for an hour. Come on. What we will be has not yet been made known. You see, there's a real you, Tom, there. There's a real you, George, that one day, seated in the presence of God, we're going to look around and be like, whoa, all of that was in you. In fact, sometimes you see this in life as somebody gets closer to Jesus. Suddenly they become somebody you would have never guessed 20 years prior. How many know I'm talking about? Because God puts a promise in them. God puts a potential in them. And they say yes to it. And next thing you know, they come alive in Christ as a child of God. But there's a hope. That's why the kingdom of God is here, but not yet. Look at this. When Christ appears, we shall be like him. When Christ appears, we shall be like him. I don't know about you, but I'm walking through walls. Come on, somebody. I'm going to walk right through the wall. And I'm going to pull a Jesus too. When I walk through the wall, I'm going to be like, don't be afraid. You know what I'm saying? I'm 38 and I still scare people because I'm kind of like a 13-year-old, but I'm growing. All right. Look at this. Psalm 16.1. Even in the Old Testament, King David talked about this hope for heaven, this confidence in the eternal life that only Jesus provides, this satisfaction of the soul. Preserve me, O God, for in you and you alone I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my God. I have nothing good apart from you. Like the disciples who say, Lord, where else can we go? You alone have the words of life. And look at this. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Can you say inheritance? Again, there's a promise. There's a, there's a harvest party that's taking place in the family. I know, I feel like I'm using too many metaphors. I'm going to try to zone them in. There's a harvest party the family is throwing. Everybody say, got it. Listen, the Father has invited you to that. And when you surrender to his love, when you stop trying to prove yourself, when you stop trying to say, well, I was a Boy Scout, Eagle Scout, I was a Hawk Scout. Listen, I never did anything wrong. Yes, you did. And Jesus loved you and forgave you and invited you in and said, let me call you son. Let me call you daughter. And David understood this. This is why he said, the Lord is my portion. I have set the Lord before me. He's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Oh, I would love to see more believers not be shaken. Be confident in who Jesus is. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. He instructs my heart. I have set the Lord before me. For you will not abandon me, my soul to Sheol. Let your Holy One see corruption. That's, by the way, that is a prophecy about Jesus. Too. He's, even though he's saying this about himself, it's one of those layer moments in scripture because he's prophesying about Jesus. How many of you guys know Jesus' body did not rot? You make known to me the path of life in your presence. There's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You see, I want to tell you, at, he says, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. 
I know I say this often, but I want to say it again. See, Satan wants to convince you that God is withholding something good for you. One of the best books I ever read was John Bevere called Good or God. We had a big group study about it, and it was so powerful. But listen, one of the ideas, one of the reasons your neighbor doesn't come to church is because they think that church, they think that Christianity is God giving this you know, 100 rule book, and you better follow all these rules or you're out. Which is the opposite of what Jesus said it is. The opposite. The gospel is that Jesus fulfilled all 100 and said, I know you messed up on like 99 of them, but I'm going to forgive you. Come on in. And when you get this and you can convey this to your friends... And to your neighbors and your coworkers, you can start to go and make disciples. See, that's why I didn't want to start with Matthew 28, because we got to be reminded of who God is. One of my favorite things about uh, mentoring and equipping is this whole idea of I do, you watch, you do, I watch, you do, I'm gone. I did this with Brian Vandegrift and, and uh, with Judah Zakinen and Bill Ritter, and I would train them on sound, Right? And you can take this metaphor, and this is just so, it's just so simple what Jesus does with them. You look up Matthew 5, you look up Luke 4, and you see all these times when Jesus is doing miracles as he invited them to watch. So let's go back to this metaphor. Imagine when I'm training Judah. If I said, all right, Judah, you're going to, I know some of you guys are looking back there. Judah's not there anymore. He went away to college, got married, had kids, and he's somewhere else. And everybody's like, Judah? We have a Judah here? Ryan, everybody say, hi, Ryan. I did not teach Ryan. Ryan was already a genius when he came here. He's so brilliant with the uh, buttons. <laughs> okay. Um, Judah, imagine I'm training Judah. Imagine if I said, all right, so you're gonna, I'm going to change the EQ on the snare drum, and I'm going to do this and that. And Judah's like, okay, yeah, I can hear that. I hear that. And the next week I'm like, all right, so I'm going to do this, and you just watch. Now, come November, all right, so you just keep watching. You know, I'm just going to do this. All right, come December, look, uh, you just keep watching. You know, maybe go grab a coffee, come back, and you just keep watching. If I never leave the booth, you know, Jennifer, how you doing? Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited to see you. Everybody say, hi, Jennifer and Lyle. I'm so ADD. I'm so sorry. I just haven't seen you all in a while. I just come, I got a hug real quick, super quick. This girl writes the most beautiful letters ever. Oh, my word. I just, so random. I'm sorry. So random. I love you, too. Sorry. That's a hug. That's a double hug. Double hug. You can't sneak up on me. You got to text me or something. All right, here we go. What was I saying? I am so distracted. I lost it. Thank you. Imagine I'm like, all right, Judah, your turn. He'd be like, how many of you think Judah would ever learn if I didn't walk away? But what does Jesus do in Acts 1? Ascension. He says, I do, you watch, you do. You look at Luke 10. Turn to your Bibles there. I don't have time to read it all today because my dad took all my time. Punk. He took it all. No, I'm just kidding. Turn to Luke 10. I'm going to summarize it for you as quick as I can. Jesus sends them out. Right? He sends them out and they come back and they start reporting. Jesus, you're not going to believe it. What you said would happen is happening. Demons are leaving people. People are being healed. 
And now, now Jesus is excited for them, but he can also read between the lines. And maybe not all of them, but a couple of them were, were, they, they were taking it as if it was them. And so Jesus reminded them, okay, but be glad your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. In other words, look, buddy, be glad you're making it. <laughs> like a good mentor would say. Right? Now, by the way, he does rejoice. You can't leave the story there because right after that, he does celebrate to the Father for those that he's been given. But listen to this. You watch, you do, report back to me. And then what's Matthew 28? What's the end of Luke? What's the end of every gospel? He sends them out. And what does he do in Acts 1? He says, wait for the promise of my father. He, he's so emphatic about the Holy Spirit that he comes back to visit them. Most theologians believe 11 times, but he's Jesus in a resurrected body. So it could have been 100 times and it could have been more than once, right? More, uh, multiple times at once because he's Jesus, right? But he comes back and he visits them. And what does Jesus say? When he visits them and he shows up out of nowhere and he just, he's resurrected. Guys, he doesn't have to come back. How many of y'all, if you're Jesus, you just endured that, you just went to heaven, some of y'all would be like, good luck. I'm done with you, Peter. You know what I'm saying? Especially Thomas, like, I need proof. You know, I'd be like, I am done. I am done with you, right? But no, he's not. He comes back and he reminds them and he says, hey, don't forget. Whoa, I just spit. Sorry, very charismatic. Don't. Forget the promise of my father. Wait until you're filled. And why? So that you can be my witness. And he leaves. Again, I never told Judah, hey, you're just going to watch me for the next 20 years. Buckle up. You know? I said, here's how to do it. Now you do it. And I'm going to listen. I'm going to check. And then I'm gone. That's what he does in your life. But some of you are still stuck in step two. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be step two. Right? We can't get stuck in step two because there's a great commandment and a great commission. I'm going to try this side. <laughs> there's a great commandment and a great commission. And we get stuck in Matthew 10 and in Luke 10 and we just want to say, but this is what's going on in my life and that's it. But at some point he has to say, yeah, but now who are you taking it to? Go and make disciples, teaching them of everything I have taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and forgive their sins. Now some of you say only Jesus forgives them. Absolutely, but don't miss what he's saying. Forgive their sins. Sometimes we're not going to make disciples because we have dusty feet. Jesus said, shake the dust off your feet. If you're rejected, shake the dust off your feet and keep going. Keep making disciples. Keep going because there's four types of soils. And I've got just a little more time. So turn, listen, the Browns are going to win in the name of Jesus. Come on, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. If you're from Pittsburgh, I forgive you. I see that hand, Jason. I'll see you at the altar. Punk, where, you're wearing it? You are a heathen, a backslider. Both of you, get out of, get behind me. I almost called you something, but <laughs> get behind me, Jason. All right, here we go. <laughs> Luke 8, I want to read this to you. I want to read this to you. He's preaching in parables. Now, I want you to picture this. 
The crowd has pushed in on him. So before you read, I just want to help you picture it. The crowd has pushed in on him because he's healing everybody. And as you can imagine, they're going to keep pushing in. They're going to keep bringing people who uh, need healed, and they want to see the healing themselves. They're, they've never seen anything like this in their life. And so they're pushing in, and he suddenly serves, uh, he uses a boat as a pulpit, and he starts to preach, and he gives them parables, all right? Soon afterward, he went throughout the cities, Luke 8. He went throughout the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody say good news. It's not bad news. It's good news. We need a reminder of this. Listen, it's good News. There was 12 with him and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Mary Magdalene, whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's uh, household manager, and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. By the way, I love that. That here's a woman who was demon-possessed, and she's right there equal, Peter, James, and John. I love that. Don't ever cast someone out. Don't ever write someone off. And he saw, and a great crowd was gathering around them, town to town, came to him, and he said in a parable, a sower went out, and he sowed his seed. As he sowed, some fell along the path that was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock, and it grew up. We're talking about harvest. Everybody say harvest. Some fell on the rock, but as it grew up, it withered away because it didn't have any moisture to take root. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up, and it choked it. Some fell among good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. Now, by the way, when I uh, believe the gospel of Mark tells this, he says 30, 60, and a hundredfold, which that's a powerful principle we'll come back to in a minute. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears, let him hear. And so I started reading that and doing a little word study right there in this software I love. By the way, they made logos free. If you love Bible software, um, they made that free. It was, it was just this thing that was like subscription-based, but check out Logos if you want to go deeper in the Word of God and just keep learning. So that is from Isaiah, where Isaiah prophesied they will hear but not understand. They will see and not understand. You see, a parable has two purposes, to reveal and to conceal. It reveals the kingdom of God to those who are hungry enough to keep digging. Humble enough to see themselves in the parable, but it conceals the kingdom of God to those who are too proud. Those who say, well, I don't need to know all this childish parable stuff. You see, I'm a Pharisee and I know the Torah, right? And so that's why so many times he would give a parable and he gives a lot of parables all right in a row. So they say to him, hey, can you explain to us what this parable means, right? Look at this. When the disciples asked him, what does the parable mean? He said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they're in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. The parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Everybody just hold your hand out, pretend there's a seed in it, okay? Just pretend there's a seed. It's the word of God. The ones along the path are those who heard the word, but the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they would not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when hearing the word, they receive it, but they don't take any root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but then they go away and it's choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. So what happens? The fruit does not 
mature. Now, this is a hard word, so everybody take that hand and just put it on your chest and say, I'm ready. Maybe say it again. <laughs> say, I'm ready. This is going to challenge you. It challenged me. Listen. For as in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold fast with an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Now, Pastor Andrew, I started to, do you ever just read the Bible and you just get a little frustrated? Just me. Wow, I thought I would have some uh, people join me on that. Anybody? Okay, thank you. Um, I'm reading this and I'm like, 25%? That's bad margins. 25%? Really, Lord? And the Lord backed me up to Luke 7 and these other parables where it talks about these two groups of people. And I'm thinking about this, and I'm, I'm believing, I'm, I'm starting to think maybe these people, they heard they were in a church service. A life group leader, somebody, a Christian at the water cooler told them, but they didn't let it go into their heart. They just nodded along. Come on, we've all seen that. We've all been a part of that before where somebody's at an outreach is like, yeah, I don't want to go to hell. Sign me up. Can I be real? Are you guys okay with me being real? But there's no repentance of heart. There's no tears of, re of remorse and regret for the sin. There's no face-to-face -face with Jesus, so there's no transformation. So I don't believe it's like this one out of four. It's just this, it's just some people aren't ready yet because the word says that some plant, some water, and some reap a harvest. And sometimes the word of God has been planted and sometimes you're the water boy. I'm sorry, you're just the water boy sometimes. Like don't get mad. Don't think they're rejecting you and don't think I'm giving up on making disciples. I'm giving up on all this stuff of Pastor Jordan always telling me to go out and, and to, to make disciples and tell people about Jesus. You know, I told one person it didn't work. Forget it. You might be watering the seed. Right? Now, you might come into a season like my friend Will. My, Will. my friend Will is the harvest dude. He got pulled over by a cop and he led him to Jesus. Come on, somebody. Like literally he's getting a ticket and Will's like, I'd like to tell you about all the sin in your life. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. He didn't say it. He prophesied for real. He like started talking to him and just like, right? Man, and then gave his heart to Jesus. And Will's telling me this story. I'm like, dude, who are you? Right? He's like, well, I've got this cape right here. <laughs> no, he didn't. But there are different seasons of your life, and there's different, by the way, anointings on your life. And everybody's different. And so don't get discouraged when you plant the seed of God's word to make a disciple and you don't see an immediate heart. We have to get out of this American mindset of discipleship. We have to get out of that mindset. There's some guys that I've been meeting with uh, frequently at Top Notch for a while now. A year, one guy, maybe two years now. And we talk about scripture and we read the word of God and we've, we go through a book together. I don't come back to him after one meeting and be like, all right, I am so glad that your marriage is now healed and perfect. Somebody just nudge your wife or your, or your spouse, you know, right? I'm so glad that you have arrived. Right? And he doesn't look at me and say, you have arrived. I've not arrived. 
I am far from arriving. I don't even know where my GPS is. You know what I'm saying? We're on this growth journey together, this discipleship together. That's why I love our mission statement. We're leading people to follow Jesus together. I love that. Because there's people who will be saved one year and I'll learn something beautiful from them, even though I've been saved since I was about 12 years old, 13 years old, gave my life to Jesus. And there's sometimes they share something with me and the Holy Spirit says, that was for you. You need to remember that. And I go, oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Together, going and making disciples. So these four types of groups, I'm just giving to you real quick. The path, it's like they have no teacher, no friend. The rocky ground, trials come, trouble comes. Pandemic comes, uh-oh, pull the toes in, you're getting stepped on. Here we go, <laughs> pandemic, it's too hard. Thorns come, the lures of the world, right? But then there's good soil. I'm so glad for the good soil. Make me a good soil, Lord. How many want to be that good soil? Where when you hear the word of God, you say, God, speak to my heart. Because here's the thing, I want you to bear fruit out of my life. And fruit takes time. Are you hearing my heart this morning? Jesus did not say, go and make believers. And the American church has that wrong. Raise your hand. Go and make believers. He didn't say that. Go and make believers. Disciples, believers agree, disciples obey. Believers say, good idea. A disciple says, make me like you. And Jesus said, go and make disciples. And I know what I'm looking at this morning from this pulpit is I'm seeing a ton of disciples each with different grace gifts, some of you with leadership gifts, some of you with intercession gifts, some of you with hospitality gifts. But you got to rise up and say, Lord, make me the disciple that you want me to be. Make me the person that I will go when you say go. That I'll say yes when you give me an opportunity. That's what a disciple does. He begins to look, at, look like and act like and sound like the one he's following. That's what a disciple does. If I can just give you an example, and I'll close with this. When I look at Andrew, when I've, ever since I met Andrew, he reminds me of Jesus. That's why I love, I, Pastor Andrew, I love you. Because I'm talking to him over Zoom and I'm just like, I can feel the love of God. I can see that he's sincere. I can see that he's legit. How many know what I'm talking about? Why? It's not because Andrew read a great book on self-help. Did you go to like a TED conference and you're like, that 18-minute talk changed my life? No, you met Jesus, right? Now he's amazing, but oh, this, this one's going to hurt. He'd be a dumb, you'd be a dumpster fire without Jesus because I would too. We would be, as, as my daughters or teenagers say at the youth group, I'm listening, a hot mess without Jesus. How many raise your hand? You say, yes, I would. Some of you are a hot mess with Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. That's a sermon for another time. <laughs> but 
but that's the work of sanctification. That's a sermon for another time. The Holy Spirit's right, taking out the me out of your life. But it's time we raise up, or I'm sorry, we, we rise up with faith to be a disciple, not a believer. Not somebody who says, yes, I agree. But yes, I will go. That's what Jesus asked for. That's why he says, are you going to leave me too? Because it's going to get hard. There's going to be times when you're going to be misunderstood. There's going to be times when you are accused and misaligned. But are you willing to persevere so that you can bear fruit? Because fruit takes time. Discipleship takes time. Becoming like Jesus takes time. But God is making you a disciple. And I am so thankful for that. I'm so, I am so ecstatic about that. Why don't we stand up to our feet? We're going to close with the worship song without the lyrics on the screen, without the band coming up. I just want you to hear it and let, uh, let the Spirit, let God just speak to you and challenge you. Jesus, I know what you can do. Go ahead, you can raise it up real loud. His love, his power wants to shine through you, church. Can you just open your hands and say, God, do this. What you've done before, do in me, Lord. Jesus. All things are possible, church. your prayer. Say, God, do this in me. Make me a disciple, Lord. Jesus. You're the God of revival, Lord. read the scripture. Come on, give him glory. Jesus, you defeated, Lord. Light up Trumbull County, God. Light up Trumbull County with disciples who say yes. Who say yes to going and making disciples. You're the God of revival, Lord. You're the God of revival. You can revive a dead city. You can revive a dead county. Where there's 202,000 people in Trumbull County and most of them don't come worship you on Sundays telling me most of them don't know you, Jesus, for who you are.
So send me, if that's your prayer, say send me. Come on, if that's your prayer, say send me. Send us, Lord. As this song plays, I want, to picture, I want you to picture this. In the upper room, when the fire of God's presence filled, it says a pillar of fire came in the room and then split apart on every head. You know what hit me like a ton of bricks this week? That's the same pillar of fire that was in the Old Testament above the tabernacle. Why? Because you are the tabernacle. You are the presence. You are where the presence of God resides. You are the house of worship now. So the pillar of fire is over your head and your life. And his Holy Spirit is now empowering you to be a light to the nations. Come on, you to be a light to the nations. If that's you, just lift up your hands and say, Jesus, do that in me. Jesus, do that in me. Fill me with your spirit. God of revival, pour it out, Lord. You can light up every city, Lord. You can light up every broken heart, every hurting marriage, every hopeless person in Johnson, in Vernon, in Cortland, in Kinsman, in Warren, in Howland, in Champion. You can light it up, Jesus. Jesus, you're the God of revival. Send us out, Lord. How many would just say, you know what, I feel challenged this morning? Would you just put your hand on your heart? If you say, I'm feeling challenged to make a difference, to make a disciple, to make a disciple, Lord. I don't even know everything it looks like. Lord, I don't have a manual making a disciple. I just know I can tell people about you, Lord. I can read your word. I can open your word over breakfast or over coffee, God. I can tell people my testimony. I can pray for them on my way there and ask that your spirit toil, Lord, ground up the soil, Lord, and, and make that soil, that heart soft so it's receptive to the word of God. Send me, Lord. Send me, Lord. Jesus. Pour it out, Lord. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Every stronghold will crumble. the chains hit the ground. Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm praying for revival. tell you, I'm not just praying for it, Rock of Grace, I'm expecting it. I'm expecting, I'm expecting the day when people walk out of church and they go tell people, you're not going to believe what I saw. I saw a man filled with anger and filled with hurt, smile with tears of joy. I saw a man who was crippled stand up out of his wheelchair. I believe we're going to see that. I believe we're going to see that. I believe we're going to see revival. But guess what, guys? Revival doesn't come to a nation or a city until it comes to you. Revival always starts with me. Say this with me. Revival starts with me. Come on, say it again. Revive. If you mean it, maybe kneel down. If you can do that, say revival. It starts with me. Revive me, Lord. Burn away things that don't please you. 
Lord, if the Lord is like that, that third seed, that third soil, if the lures of the world and pleasures of the world, the promotion at work and the, the possibility of a promotion at work or this or that started to distract me from my focus of making disciples, God, forgive me. Revive me with love for you. Revive me with love for you. If that's your prayer, say that to him. Jesus, revive me with love for you. Burn away anything that doesn't please you. Revive me, Lord. Jesus. Lord, we pray that every single week, God, that we'll have encounters like this together where we are challenged to go and be, not to just sit and agree, but to go and be disciples, to pray for the sick, to forgive people who offend us and people who've made us mad at work. Teach us to forgive them and love them the way you do, God, so that we can make disciples. Help us get over ourselves, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, I'm just so glad. I'm so thankful. And I'm, I want you to hear me, church. Before we go today, I just want to tell you, I am so thankful for this church. I can't tell you the number of times when this church, people, you have encouraged me or my wife or our kids just in time. Don't you love how the Holy Spirit's always on time? And then I see you do this kind of thing to your, you do each other all the time. It's beautiful. All right? Bless you. High five somebody on your way out. Say, go and make disciples. Tell them.